Well, we have been journeying through the Shadowlands, talking about those difficult times in our lives, those times when things seem dark, where we go through grief, we go through loss, we go through pain, and, and how do we think about those things, and how do we relate to God in those times? Today I want to take some time to reflect on how the Shadowlands have an impact on our bodies, minds, and our spirits. read an interesting book during my uh, uh, work on my dissertation called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And um, the author of the book looks at animals in nature and how they deal with stress. What they said was that every animal... Uh, every animal deals with stress of various kinds. And it's a normal process. Uh, in fact, it's the process you have to go through as an animal. There is stress in your life, something that comes about. If you're a zebra, there might be a lion, or you think there might be a lion in the brush somewhere. You notice that. You have some kind of perception of that stimuli, and then you have a stress response. Your body goes into fight-or-flight mode, and uh, that way you can survive whatever's going to happen. And then there's normally a period of sort of returning to normal. So for a zebra, it kind of looks like this. This is the stress response. When zebras think there's a lion, they get all of a sudden hypervigilant. Okay? They're suddenly really, really aware of what's going on in the world around them. They're looking at every brush, every little sound that happens around them. There's a release of hormones and the increase of blood pressure to de deliver those hormones throughout the body. Okay? The zebra goes into this mode where, okay, I'm going to have to have some energy if I'm going to have to get away from a lion. So very quickly, hormones go up, blood pressure goes up so that blood can get to the muscle so the zebra is ready to go. A zebra shuts down all unnecessary systems. Digestion, reproduction, tissue repair, immunity, okay? None of that stuff happens in the zebra when they're in a stress response. Okay? They're not worried about making new zebras. They're not worried about staying healthy. All they're worried about is survive. Okay? All they're worried about is fight or flight. We're just going to survive the lion. Also, they tend to eliminate higher brain functioning. So zebras don't think a lot okay, when they are getting away from a lion or they think there's a lion in the air. Okay, uh, it, it's like the brain, you have higher brain functioning, which is thinking and creativity. Zebra does not have that much of that. But none of that happens to a zebra when they're in fight or flight. Okay, it's all baseline, it's all emotional reaction. Okay, it's, it's all sort of systems, uh, lizard brain thinking, they call it. All it is is reacting and surviving. The other thing that's interesting is that this is... Uh, this happens in community in the animal kingdom. In other words, when one zebra thinks there's a lion, they react in such a way that all the other zebras are, seem to be aware that there also might be a lion in the area. Now, this is, this is interesting in zebras. It's really funny in meerkats, right? Have you ever seen meerkats? Okay. There's normally a couple meerkats on the lookout and a couple meerkats that are just sort of hanging out. But if one meerkat thinks they hear something, what do they do? They pop up and they look at whatever they think they have. And then once one meerkat does it, what happens? All the other meerkats are, whoop, pop up, see, where's that? What's he looking at? Is there a problem here? Okay. Stress is shared in community among animals. 
This is a natural process. Okay, all animals do this. All animals go through this. Most animals then return to normal. Okay, this is my dog, Geppetto. Uh, he is a golden doodle. And uh, Jep, you can get Jep real wound up, and he will run around the yard. But eventually, he will calm down. And I've watched him. He'll lay down, and he'll lay down on his stomach normally, and he'll let out this, this like this real big exhale out his nose. And then you'll, you'll see him. He, he like lets all that stress go. Human beings, this researcher says, do exactly this same thing. We become hypervigilant under stress. Okay, I, I can prove this to you. How many of you have ever seen a, uh, uh, like a mouse in your garage? And then for like three hours, everything is a mouse. Like that shoe is a mouse and that sock is a mouse. Or you see a snake and then every tie, every shoelace, every, every cord is a snake. Like your, your, brain is all, your brain is cued in and then it's starting to look at everything as a danger. Um, you release hormones and increase blood pressure to deliver those hormones through your body. Okay, you can actually get, uh, you get an adrenaline rush. Okay, human beings tend to shut down unnecessary uh, systems, digestion, reproduction, tissue repair, immunity. Okay, when we're under stress, we don't do that stuff well. This is why when you're under stress, your stomach hurts. Okay, because when you're under stress, your body is not going to put a lot of energy into digestion. Okay, human beings eliminate higher brain function when they go through stress. Okay, I have been around people who are, have, have had a major loss, and I've gone out to lunch with them, and they can't pick a sandwich that they want for lunch. Right? You ever been around people like this? I am amazed. That I think funeral directors are some of the most gracious people I have ever been around. Because they have to work with families when they can't make decisions, and they have to make a bunch of decisions in a row. Okay? Um, this is us. This is what we do. When we are stressed and anxious, we don't think well. We think flight or flight. We see everything as a danger, and we don't think really creatively. And we tend to deal with stress in community. How many of you, when you're around somebody who's really stressed, you feel stressed? How many of you, when you feel really stressed, you have somebody in your family you want to call to share that stress with? Right? We as human beings are exactly like animals in this regard. That we all have stress and we have this, this natural, important survival set of skills where we respond to stress. The problem is, a lot of times we have trouble returning to normal. Okay? Unlike my dog that can let, up, let out a deep breath and then sleep. Or a zebra who later in the day can just be back to normal. We have extreme stress. We have stress over time. We have stress, stress responses without a return to normal. So our normal, you understand, becomes stress. How many of you know those people that like unless they're stressed, they don't know how to function? It's like so normal to them. They want to be anxious and they want to be stressed. Um, and this is a problem for us. And what the research has shown is that a lot of problems that we get into as human beings, uh, animals don't seem to have the same way. You can get to a point where your brain is unable to function at a high level. Do you know these people that are so stressed that they're just angry? They just respond emotionally and they can't think through stuff properly. Okay, Brain and body chemical imbalances. 
Uh, this can lead to serious depression or anxiety on a clinical level. You can actually get addicted to adrenaline and to the hormones of stress. Um, overeating or unhealthy eating as a result of your digestive system uh, not working well. Digestive problems like ulcers, high blood pressure, heart failure, emotional shutdown. When you just, you, you, you don't have anything left. You, have you been in this place? You get to the point where you just emotionally don't have anything left to give. You don't want to be around people. You just want to shut down. We take it out on the wrong people. It's actually been proven that stress can stunt growth in children. Okay? That, that those systems of growth in your body can't happen when you're under stress. Reproductive problems. Okay? How many of you have known families that were trying to get pregnant and going through all the processes to try to get pregnant? Except they're so stressed it won't happen. Okay? What's interesting is these things are common in human beings and very rare in zebras. Okay? Zebras don't get ulcers. Okay? A lot of animals don't get heart failure. It's all us. Because we get stressed and we carry it. We don't ever get back to normal. And what about the human spirit? I believe that your body and your mind are connected to your spirit. And when you go through these things in your life, in your body and in your mind, I think it affects your spirit. I think it affects your soul. I think your spirit wears down. I think your confidence erodes. Your faith escapes you. Your hope evades you. Your joy is but a forgotten memory. Have you been at this point? Where you're so worn down because you're going through pain, because you're going through grief, because you're going through all this stuff, that your soul is worn down. Often you pull away from the church. We all do this. Right when we need community, right when we need each other, right when we need God, is right when we seem to want to pull back. We get away. Because we don't want to share our crisis of faith or, or we don't want to have to deal with those things. And those moments when we absolutely need each other and where we absolutely need God are sometimes the moments we feel the most like pulling away. Now, we've been wrestling with this big question of why doesn't Jesus just get us out of the shadow lands? And I've been suggesting throughout this series that, that God doesn't do that. That God doesn't do that. In fact, in this uh, prayer from John we read today, Jesus says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. God's prayer for his disciples, Jesus' prayer for you and me is, God, leave them in the world. Now, can I just confess something to you? I really don't like this prayer. I really don't like this prayer. I really wish that there was another way of doing this. I would like for God to just take me out of this world. Take me out of this where I'm not feeling the way I should. Take me out of my grief and my sorrows. But God keeps us in those things. And I'm not sure we ever quite understand why, but I do think we can reflect on a couple of things. Number one, I think it has to be said that Christians have this weird belief that God can bring good out of suffering. 
We have to say that because the cross sits at the center of our sanctuary just as it does at the center of our faith. The whole story is about God taking something that was bad and that was cruel and that was painful and bringing the most blessed gift of grace we could possibly imagine out of it. We have to say that our faith is about God bringing goodness out of suffering. And if God can do that with the cross, with Jesus going to the cross, then God has to be able to do that in our lives too. God has to be able to bring goodness out. And I'm not saying that we always get to know what it is. I'm just saying as a starting point, we ought to realize that God can bring good out of suffering. That God can redeem it, bring the value out of it. I love the line that Joseph says to his brothers when he finally meets them after being sold into slavery for years. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Joseph can look and say, okay, you meant something really bad for me, but God had other intentions for it. And that's not always easy, and you don't always get to know what it is, but I'm telling you, we have to acknowledge that there's a possibility that God can bring good out of it. I believe part of the good God can bring out of it is our witness in our suffering. Our witness in our suffering. This is Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it, its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out or trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talks about us as salt. That's the Dead Sea that would have been... Um, about 25, 30 miles south of where Jesus was preaching these words. They had a lot of salt. They had access to salt in this area. And you're used to salt as a flavoring. But in those days, they didn't have refrigeration. So salt plays a major role as a preservative in those days. Not just bringing a good taste. Actually keeping things good and making things healthy to be able to eat so that you don't get sick. Okay, so when, when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying not just that you bring taste, that you bring flavor, but that you bring wholeness and healing and a preservative, that you bring something good to the world around you. And light. You are light. That's th that there is a lamp. Here it is. It's in my hand, but you can see it better on the picture. Okay? This is what a lamp would have looked like. Very common little clay lamp. Looks very small, right? But in a small one-room house, you don't need a giant light. You just need a little light. And a little light then could, uh, you'd have some kind of wick coming out of this that you would light, an oil in the lamp. And then this little light could light the whole house. As long as you put it in the right place. If you hit it, it wouldn't work. Okay, if it blocked, it wouldn't work. You have to put that light where people can see it. If Jesus calls us light, what does that assume? It assumes darkness, right? Light in this room, if we light, if we light this candle in this room, it's not that big a deal. 
God sends us to be light where? Not where there's light, but where there's darkness. And then he talks about a city on a hill. Um, from where he was probably at on the Mount of Beatitudes, everywhere on the Sea of Galilee, you can see this hill. This is Mount Arbel. And there was a city up there on top of the mountain. And uh, so when Jesus said, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, he probably pointed to the city on top of this hill. And basically used his example to say, look, you can't hide that, right? You can't hide that. Everywhere you go around the Sea of Galilee, you can see that. That's God's plan for us. God's plan for us is that we are salt, that we are light, that we are in some way set up on a hill so that when you go through pain and suffering, I believe part of the good that God brings out of the pain and suffering is other people get to watch you deal with your pain and your suffering. Other people get to see how you're going to handle it. How are you going to handle it? Are you going to handle it with grace? Are you going to handle it with trust? Are you going to handle it with panic? One of the great things that God can do through you, through your pain and suffering, is be an example and a light to someone else around you. In addition, we, we understand that God helps us in our suffering. That God helps us in our suffering. I love the phrase, I've referred to it before, and I will refer to it many, many times in my ministry. This, this verse we had from Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay? Now, when we hear the word word, we tend to think scripture. Okay? But this is Psalm 119, so there's not all the scriptures yet. Okay? In the Bible, the word is the revealing presence of God. So the word of the Lord comes to a prophet. Okay, then we believe, according to John, the word became flesh. And yes, we do believe in some special way that the word became text. That we have a Bible and it is a special revelation of God. But it doesn't just mean the Bible. God's word is a lamp. God's guiding presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit, God's impact on your life is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. I love this picture I found online this week because it really shows the point of that phrase, right? That's not a lot of light. Everybody see that? Lamp to my feet, light to my path is only like right here. I, mean, I can't see beyond. I would love for thy word to be a spotlight 100 yards in the forward direction, right? I would love uh, thy word to be the sun in the sky so I can see and it would be daylight. But that's not what God gives us. God gives us this little bit of light at our feet and on our path. And then when we walk a step, we get to see the next step. And when we walk a step, we get to see the next step. That I wish God would give us the whole path. I wish he would give it to us. I wish when you got a call from a doctor about a, a test you got to have and you're not sure how it's all going to work out, I wish there wasn't the waiting because the waiting sometimes is the worst part, right? But what God does do is he walks with us through the next step and through the next step and through the next step and we walk together. I love this phrase from Charles Spurgeon. Some of you may have read it in your Sunday school today. Any simpleton can follow the narrow path in the light. Okay, Anybody can follow the path when the lights are on. Faith's rare wisdom enables us to march on in the dark with infallible accuracy. 
since she places her hand in that of her great guide. Anybody can walk when you can see. The real gift of God is that when it's dark, he guides you to the next step, to the next place. And though you don't feel sure, he is sure. Now, I would love to be more self-reliant than that. I would love to not have to trust like that, but that's not what God gives us. So God helps us in our suffering. And here's the other thing. God asks us to take care of ourselves. Okay, if, if you think about the effects that stress and anxiety have on your body, on your mind, and on your spirit, I think you need to take care of yourself. I think you need to be able to rest. God gave us this wonderful gift of Sabbath. I think because he knew us. And he knew if he didn't tell us we were supposed to have Sabbath, we would just work and work and work and we would be stressed and stressed and stressed. But instead, God called us to actually do some resting. To rest, to eat, to take care of ourselves. I think we need to do that in those times. I think self-care and rest are a gift from God that if you're like me, you're not always really willing to do. Okay, I'm really pretty sick this morning. And I'm partially sick because I've been going, going, going for a couple weeks. And I need to rest. And um, uh, sometimes sickness has a way of making you rest, right? Um, but I think we need to take care of ourselves. I think we need to rest. I think we need to invest a little bit in ourselves and in our relationships. And if you're going through a time where you're really in a lot of stress and anxiety, if you're really in the shadow lands, this becomes more important, not less becomes more important and it moves typically in the shadowlands to the bottom of our to-do list. And it ought to be the opposite. And let me end with this. Cut yourself some slack. Cut yourself some slack. If you're going through something that's really difficult, if you're in a time where you're in a lot of pain, when you're in a lot of stress, when you're in a lot of anxiety, when you're in a lot of grief, that's going to be hard on your body. That's going to be hard on your brain, and that's going to be hard on your spirit, and your faith is going to waver. And one of the biggest things I have seen is that we beat ourselves up more than anybody else beats us up. Okay? We feel guilty because we feel so sad. Okay? We get mad at ourselves because we have such a lack of faith. I'm going to give you permission right now to cut yourself some slack. Okay? If you're going through a lot of pain, you've got a lot of trouble in your life, it's going to be wearing on you. It's okay. Expect that to be normal. Cut yourself some slack. If God gives you grace, you ought to be able to give yourself some grace. Be in it for the long haul. Take care of yourself. I'm telling you that God will be with you, that God is with you, that God is guiding your steps. So try to be like my dog, right? Nice, nice big exhale. Cut yourself some slack. Take an afternoon to just rest and trust that God's going to give you the next few steps. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are with us when we are going through the shadow lands. Lord, I'm just keenly aware of a number of people in this room right now who are going through a lot of stuff. People who are anxious about things the doctors have said, things going through in their family, things going through at work. And um, 
I just pray that in each of those situations you would grant a little extra dose of your peace, a little bit of Sabbath rest. Help them to come back to normal a little bit. Be with us through the Shadowlands and help us to be great community for one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.